0: we're live we are live yeah What's up, guys yeah i'm coming from, now this time i'm coming from the great state of mississippi
1: We moved and around
0: bro. traveling ministry <laughs> <laughs> traveling ministry so yeah um i'm, I'm, I'm actually happy to be here because it's nice and warm you know alaska's not so i'm <laughs> i'm enjoying the warm weather um i had to like flip my sleep schedule all the way upside down and everything but um thank you to everybody that's coming in as y'all come in i'm actually gonna say just like brian Carr, come on in come on in come Come on in come on in the room
2: (laughs) hallelujah praise god Uh, more
1: More grace grace. yes
2: yes more grace More More grace everybody more grace more (laughs) grace everybody Oh man!
0: Well, if you're uh, if you're coming in, um, like like they say, more grace, and go ahead and, and and share the the post because we're coming at you with part two of the millennial approach to ministry. And um, I'm just smiling because this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun a fun segment. Not even gonna lie. Oh
1: yeah!
0: I've been looking forward to this all week. <laughs> So, yeah, um, actually, let me go ahead and share. Let's see.
1: I've already shared. Yep. We'll All never right. ask you guys to share if we won't share. Exactly. That's
0: right. And tell you to do nothing that we won't. Absolutely right. Another, another thing about ministry don't tell people to do something you wouldn't
1: do. And we're starting already,
0: <laughs> it's, uh, it's already coming in. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, uh, how, how,
1: how how have y'all been, man? Man, this week it's been a doozy, bro. Like it's been a doozy. This is a crazy one, so. Uh, one of those weeks that you say, "Thank God it's Friday."
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I feel I feel that. I feel that. But um,
1: but it's been good, man. Yeah. Um, good my i had a all right
2: week it went by pretty quick um but i uh when i was at the gym you know trying to continue with my new year's resolution i uh i dropped a weight on my phone and Ooh. uh yeah <laughs> it's pretty messed up so I'm, I'm hoping that it lasts till the end of my deployment so i can just buy one when I get home but
1: I don't it will uh, other
0: than that you know good, good. Yeah, well, yeah i mean i'm I'm like I said, I'm here in Mississippi, and um, i uh I'm actually doing some training with the Air Force, so I've got uh, like a new sleep schedule and everything because i I'm used to completely different sleep schedule and time zone, so I've kind of i mean I've been in class for a couple of days, but I kind of been trying to spend as much time fixing my sleep schedule and everything. But, uh, you know, thank God I was off today because they gave us off for, uh, for today. So, you know, it was all good and everything. Mm. So, yeah, I definitely wanted to rest up for our topic today, which, like I said, okay. coming into part two of uh, the millennials approach to ministry. And we're just going to, I guess, kind of pick up right where we left off um, from last time. Uh, we have some questions left and everything and we actually got some topics and some stories that we wanted to kind of cover and kind of use as some examples as for or as, as for how we can um, address certain things and also move forward after addressing said things. So uh, yeah. with that, Caleb, I'm, I guess I'll pass it to you. You, you got the questions and everything is
2: there. And start? Is there um, last week, we kind of we touched on a, a good bit. Um, let me see here. Um. We talked about, you know, should ministers, um, should positions in ministry be esteemed as high as they are? We talked about, um, should we make it a job title? We talked about, um, you know, people having ambitions for ministry, Um, you know, and we also touched on the fact that ministries can be propped up over others, Um, but what we also uh had was um we had a second part to that and i wanted to highlight something that philip said last week that's been weighing on my mind this entire week because he said that um ministry is a lowly position but a high calling lowly position but a high calling and um i really think that it was so powerful like i've never heard it said like that and um I, I think that needs to be the anthem of the new generation that is picking up ministry, our generation and Gen Z. Um, because that, cause honestly, when you really think about it like that, it's not it's not an attractive thing to do. Ministry when when you're thinking of a pastorate, when you're thinking of um taking care of shepherding a flock, it's not as Justin was saying last week, it's 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 not a pretty thing. It's not a thing that's always roses and pixie dust it's it's a pretty so you're in the trenches you're, you're in the trenches you know so um we're gonna continue in that vein um but we're like i said last week we're gonna talk about um a subject that was just published in the publications last week and um i think you guys are gonna like it so with that said uh let's get into our first question um Justin, what do you think the
1: ministry culture should be like? Man, and I know we're going to get to this a little bit later. So when we start talking about ministry culture, right, what what do we think about typically? You know, you've got this like upper echelon of people uh, as far as the, the preachers are concerned or the pastors are concerned. And then, you know, kind of following up under them depending on what type of ministry you're in. If you are in an old school, traditional ministry, you're going to have your church officers that are kind of right under them, like your deacons or executive pastors, uh, like people who don't necessarily preach, but they kind of run things. If you're in your more modern church, then right under them are going to be your singers, uh, you know, your, your stage people. Um, and then after that, then you kind of go down to the quote unquote, the peons, you know what I mean, yeah. and 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 after the, the, the your your regular people, it seems that the people are the that are sometimes the lowest on the total pole are the volunteers, <laughs> the ushers, yep. the greeters, the people that are uh, running sound, the people that are um, you know do uh, uh, maybe cleaning the restrooms and making sure the grounds are kept. Those people sometimes are, are, are passed over by people who don't do anything. <laughs> Um and, and I don't know that we should have a culture where I think that different jobs have different honor. I'm I'm okay with that. But what I'm not okay with is when we start to almost look down on people as as an individual. Now, the other thing that when we start talking about ministry culture of uh, one thing that it tends to look like is that depending on your level uh of ministry or what you what your title is you can get by with certain things Mm. Um, you're allowed to treat people in certain ways you're allowed to talk about people in certain ways for example certain things that you couldn't say as a normal person if you get up there and preach it and call it the anointing you're allowed to throw off on people so i'm sure we've seen this you know countless times of pastors or ministers who will step up in the pulpit and call people all types of names, um, but because you're in in the pulpit, you 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 you're calling that the anointing, uh, then you can get by with throwing off on people and halfway cursing them out because you're in the pulpit. I don't believe yeah. that's right. I don't believe you get to treat people any kind of crazy way because you are a minister or because you are a, a, you know a bishop or whatever. Um, we always talk about. Honoring the leadership, but I think it's very important to understand that the leadership must also honor the people. That's so true. Um, so that's one thing that I, I think, and I know that I, I'll go to this as well, and, and this is will be my last one. And I know we're going to kind of dig into this a little bit more a little bit later. So I don't, I just, I'll just throw this out there, and we'll come back to. It. I think that we also have to revisit. What accountability for ministers looks like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we, all, whenever we talk about accountability, it seems like it always has to be upwards accountability. And yeah. so it's like the pastor has to be accountable to his pastor or he has to be accountable to a bishop or to an apostle. But we don't really think about their accountability to the people that they are to serve. And exactly. so, uh, that this is a big reason why you have a lot of rogue pastors, because it's like, well, if I'm not a part of anybody's thing or if I start my own thing, I start my own fellowship, I start my own network, then I don't have to be accountable to anybody. I'm the head guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we have a lot of guys getting out here in the ministry that have no accountability whatsoever. But I don't really care. I care about you being accountable upwards. Right. But what I also have realized is sometimes when we're talking about preachers' accountability to preachers, right, that what ends up happening is preachers will give other preachers more grace Mm -hmm. because they Mm -hmm. are preachers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and while, while I understand it, I, I comprehend it, 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 it's kind of the birds of a feather flock together. If I if I see a black person doing one thing, I'm probably not going to give the same grace that I would give to the black person to someone who's not black because we're the same. We have that in common and, and, and this it's not a racist thing. It's just a matter of, this is what we have in common. Same thing with preachers. And I just use that as an example. Um, you know, we, we tend to understand each other's struggles when we're in the same position. So yeah. I, I, I'm cool with that. But what I think has to happen for there to be proper balance is that we need more pulpit to pew accountability not where you're holding them accountable, because it's easy for you to see them in doing something that you might perceive as sin or something that is sin or something that maybe you don't perceive to be correct. Uh, and you have a microphone to blast them. So you're holding them accountable or you're pulling them into a meeting. If your church is within that size range to where there's meetings and you're pulling people aside and that type of thing or your discipleship uh, model in your church, it's always easy to come down on people for accountability. But you have to understand as the shepherd or as uh, a one of the ministers, because we don't want to direct this strictly towards pastors, but towards anyone who proclaims themselves to be uh, in ministry, uh, I think that we have got to start having a discussion about our accountability to God's people. So
2: true, so true. Philip, what you got?
0: Um i was actually literally just thinking about something and it, it, it's, it's trying to it's trying to get away from me. But I mean, uh, going forward, um, I feel like how the ministry culture should be um, is humility. That's one of the biggest things. And actually, this was one thing that I was actually going to talk about was um, like last year, we saw many churches get you know, shut down. A lot of churches had to go to online ministry and everything. And a lot of church people look at it as a bad thing. Mm. Like a lot of people look at, oh, the church got shut down. I can't wait, you know, till everything's about to come and everything. But I think God allowed all these churches to get shut down for a reason. Mm. He wants to prove a point to his people that you don't need a pulpit to be a minister. And you don't need a pulpit to do ministry. Because God, God, really and truly, God doesn't need us in church. He needs us in the world. That's right. right? So because of that, I feel like, and, and I've actually, you know, I've listened to some to some ministers, you know, on, on YouTube, in the sermons and stuff like that. And, uh, it, you know, some people that I look up to, and I hear their, um, some of their, like, opinions on everything and their stories about what happened to them during the pandemic and everything. And they said much stuff was brought into focus. And, like, God showed them really what, they are to do, especially going forward in the climate we have now, and then also show them like we kind of got too complacent where we were. Like we were, you know, we had we had our our, our our rallies and we had our camp meetings and our conferences, and we were just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over again. And now everything got shaken up. So now it's really time for you to be the church, not just come to church, right? So one thing I think going is is don't always associate. A specific thing to your position. So just because you're a minister, doesn't you always need to be in the pulpit and and have a mic in your hand or something, or be on the stage or something like that. Um, and you, you know, another thing that goes along with that is humility, because you know, um, and, you know, we keep on talking about how it is—it's a lowly position, but a high calling. You know, and and Justin was talking about the accountability piece, like especially as ministers, you're accountable to to the people of which you serve. Like, yes, you are accountable to your pastor and you're accountable to those that are um, in positions that you could say are over you. But your first accountability piece really is to the people. As a minister in general, you're, accounta- you're accountable to the people because the people are what, I mean, beside, besides God, the people are what allow you to be on that platform doing your ministry. The people are, are, are uh, promoting you. The people are donating to your ministry and everything. And, and the people are praying for you, too. So really and truly, you're accountable to the people. Um, so going forward, I feel like there should just be a, a, definitely a spirit of humility. And I, and I don't want to like, detest anybody from trying to pursue a ministry or anything or pursue a pulpit ministry. I just don't want them to just do that. And we're kind of we're going to kind of get to it later when, when we discuss um, another topic. I don't want to spoil it yet. But um, instead of pursuing something that gets you seen, pursue something that makes you effective, because that's what God wants you to do. Be effective.
2: And here you are with all the tweetable quotes, man. Let's go. <laughs> R- run that back one more time.
0: <laughs> instead of doing something to be seen, pursue being effective, not just yep. pursuing. Some, a ministry or something to be seen because it's all you know, we 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 put a lot of emphasis in and I don't want to take away from any of the of the honor that's due ministers that 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 uh, teach the word and preach the word and I don't want to um, discount the honor of people that um, that put in lots of hours and stuff and have been practicing since they were young in music and, and singing and stuff like that I don't want to take away their honor or anything. But if you're just pursuing that for the sake of pursuing it, of being seen instead of actually being effective, then you're not pursuing the right thing. Yes, yep, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I talked about it last time. Like uh, we, we, we look at NYC is one of the biggest stages in our movement. You know, and a lot of people look up there and Brother Brown actually made the point, actually, uh, uh, this past one. And he was just like these people appear. This is not their first rodeo. Like they've been doing this in maybe churches that have 10 people, you know, they've been doing this since they were young. They put in hours and everything. And not only that, but they gave their best. And we talked about that last time. They gave their best. And and now and, and it's not like, you know, you have to do that small, small things and those small things. And one day you'll, you'll get your big moment. Like that's not that's not what it's about. And if yeah, that exactly. makes you that or then you have wrong at it. So you need to pursue yeah. being. Instead of pursuing to be seen, and I'll pass it to you, Caleb.
2: Yeah, um, I, uh, that, that's that's good. Uh, a lot of, I mean, Justin, Philip, you guys, we all have been in that small church situation where we were playing, and just we we thought like right then and there that was it. You know, this is this is what I'm going to be doing right here, um, and and we I, I don't think it never occurred to me that I would be doing what I'm doing now um like going to the church that i'm going to playing in the churches that i'm going to it's just i was just giving my best to the lord at the time Sure, absolutely and, yeah and, sure you know sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure both of you wouldn't have thought of where you're you would be right now and what? i just think i just think it's a testament of where god has brought us and um when you continuously give your gift to the lord and and you continuously use it for him. Um, he will reward you he will he will promote you, um but it's just but it doesn't happen overnight. and the problem with our generation and Gen Z is that they they they, they think, well, if I get really good at the bass or I get really really good at the drums, then um the music director for NAYC is going to give me a call, and I'm gonna get on the stage and it's just like no. That's not how it's gonna happen. That's
0: not what you're doing. Let me doing, tell you
2: man. something. Let me tell you something. There are very, 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 very more and more and more talented musicians in the movement that don't get the limelight that the musicians that play at the huge conferences get. Absolutely. So let's not you know, so let's not get it twisted. A lot of those really, really good musicians are at their local church playing and being faithful, you know. So um, but that was a really good point. I mean, for me, I, I think when it comes to ministry, I think the culture should, like you guys said, it needs to be humble and accountable to the people because let's just take this example for a second. I'm accountable to my boss. Why? Because he writes my check. That's the only reason I'm accountable to my boss. That's the only reason I go to work on time is because he writes my check and in, in a sense. The church writes the pastor's check in a sense. And And, I I know it
1: it,
2: it literally the church writes the pastor's check. And like um, one of you brought up, people are donating to your ministry. People are uh, serving you. People are making sure that you and your family are good. People are making sure that you have everything, every resource, every resource you possibly can have to succeed. So that you can effectively minister to the people. So how are you not accountable to your congregation? Because I remember I was listening to Brian Karn preach one time and he was just like, he was talking about accountability. And, you know, I've listened to him preach about it and I didn't really agree a lot with him. When it came to that, because he was more of upwards mobility, he's like, you know, I have a pastor, so I'm good. You know, he has a you know bishop that he's accountable to, so he's he's automatically fine. And um, I just I just don't think that's the 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 route it should go. Because um, like politicians, politicians kind of do the same thing that a pastors does. Pat- politicians go to bat on our behalf when we vote them in, they go to bat on our behalf. And if we don't like what they're doing, then we vote them out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and there we go. Exactly. <laughs> and I me- I remember the days when we used to vote pastors in. But nowadays, what I've seen is pastors, well, in our movement, pastors will get, will kind of get uh, good old boy clubbed in. And then, make you know make sure that the majority of the congregation like likes them and all that kind of stuff and then they'll say all right let's put it up for a vote and it's just like that's not a vote
1: or in in some situations um they will put people in positions who with with no one to oppose them exactly exactly absolutely
2: nobody to to oppose them sorry they are, they are the only option. And I, I really think that the ministry culture needs to change in that aspect. You shouldn't get a position just because your best friend is a district superintendent. You shouldn't get a position just because your best friend is the, the music director at a huge conference. It You should get a position because somebody laid before the Lord and got spiritual direction on what they're doing. You know what I mean? Because if... If you want to say church is better than the world, you really can't because the world does the same good old boy club thing, too. So, are you trying to run the church like the body of Christ, the way God would want you to run it, or are you trying to run it like a corporation?
1: Right. Because it's, and and we're not doing away with the necessity and power of relationships, right? Because anytime God is going to promote you, he is going to use a person. Or anytime, and, and I don't even know if I even like the word promote.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah to really. be <laughs> yeah. no technically, there's no promotions in the body of Christ. Which right. and and sometimes that's why I don't like the analogy when people are like, you know, we're the body of Christ, and everybody can't be the eye or the the nose or the mouth. And I kind of hate that analogy because if you if you just if you take an inventory of your own body. And think about what you value on your body. What do you value? Your heart, your head, your, your blood I mean, your vessels, hands. Yeah. How many people actually sit down and think like, "Man, let me let me protect my femur bone." You know what I'm saying? So, so I don't want, I don't kind of like that analogy because I, it kind of perpetuates the idea that there is like I think high if, or more important.
1: If we keep that analogy within the context that it's given in scripture, right? Right. Then we come to the conclusion that everything is of equal importance. Exactly. But if we put it into the context of what we consider important, then, you know, we will. We'll change on that, you know what I mean? But yeah,
0: Yeah, that's a a great point, actually. Yeah,
1: I I think that's where that comes from. But to push a little bit further with this accountability piece, you know, let's talk about what does it mean, right, to be accountable as a minister? Because you know, that's a word I think that is tossed around a lot, and very true. I don't know that. It really some people just say accountability. Accountability is not something that I don't believe it to be something that is just a matter of, you know, you having a a contract or um, just someone who is, quote unquote, just in place. You know what I mean? For you to be able to say, this is my leader. This is who I'm accountable to. Um, or vice versa, like when we talk, especially when we start talking about being accountable to the people and having, uh, accountability, that's not just upwards, you know, we have to have a discussion about what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, I'll share a couple of examples and you guys bounce around with the two, you know, um, I think number one, the first accountability you have is to ensure that what you are teaching people is accurate. Lord. That That is the number one accountability because they are coming to you uh, and they are basing their lives off of what you are teaching. So the number one accountability that we have to the people that we minister to, uh, whether you're a pastor or just, you know, any other type of minister, it doesn't matter. You you have the accountability to make sure that what you are preaching that what you are teaching to these people, to what you are saying in counseling sessions that what you are telling them in conversation, that what you are emanating in your behavior is teaching them truth. And when you miss that mark, accountability makes you correct yourself in front of the same people that you've messed up in front of. Exactly. Um, as a minister myself, I can recall having moments where I would, I've stepped in the pulpit and quoted something as simple as quoting a scripture that did not exist, just something I heard in church and coming to find out that hey that's actually not a scripture i have gone back and said hey i said this and i said that wrong that is not true that is not accurate and will correct myself i've had other moments where i might have said you know quoted a scripture incorrectly and made a a false point or maybe i taught a doctrine uh, or uh, that was incorrect and i have taken time to go back and say hey this is incorrect. This is something I've done since the inception of my ministry. I can recall uh, making a point. I preached a sermon about David and Goliath. How can you mess that up? <laughs> but I, uh, I, I said, made a point. I remember this is years ago now. Um, uh, but I, I remember I made a point in the sermon based off of my misunderstanding of what the word ruddy meant. That's what it was. And so, because I didn't understand what the word meant, because I didn't do my due diligence in research, <laughs> I made this whole point. That was a great point. It was a shouting point, but it was wrong. It, it, it moved the context. So I That's remember going back to the pastor of the church that I was min- that I ministered at and saying, "Brother, you know, uh, please accept my apologies." And I gave him this whole dissertation explaining why and i'm not saying that i'm the perfect example of everything i'm just giving an example of what does ministerial ministerial accountability look like it looks like you, you emanating to these people truth whether it is in your words whether it's in your deeds that what you're doing says it is the right example towards these people and if you mess up which you will all of us nobody's perfect you're not being it, 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 accountability is there because you're not perfect. If you were never gonna miss the mark, there'd be no reason for there to be accountable. But accountability is what says, hey, when you mess up, this is the course of action. And I think that too many times, we get the opportunity to mess over the people. We give them bad advice, we mess up their marriages, we mess up their families, We, we preach false doctrine, we, we, we tell lies, we hurt people's feelings and emotions. We, we do damage to people and we never have to come back under accountability to the people unless we've cheated on our wives or got caught on the down low or stole money from the church. But what about all of these other things that could be honestly more harmful to people that we do in ministry and because we don't really believe in accountability unless it's to the far extreme of what we do, we never come back and say, "Hey, I'm sorry."
0: Exactly, yeah. and, and and that and that doesn't make you humble either. No, because that what that does is it's basically saying like you're prideful, and that's and that's one of the things that I don't like is is like yes, ministers should be above reproach. You you should be an example, and and yes, people I feel like should probably look at you as somebody that doesn't make a lot of mistakes. But the problem is, ministers do. But they act like they don't, right? And, that's, and it's prideful because you make mistakes every day, just like me. And no mistake is worse yeah. than the other. And it's that, and, and that's where the that's where pride comes into play whenever you're talking about ministries, because it's like it's almost like is you know if you don't cheat on your wife, if you don't you know get someone else pregnant, if you if you don't do what people deem as horrible things like you know if you're not out smoking or drinking and stuff like that, then they think okay, you're good. Perfect. Sweet. I mean, you, you you still have your mistakes too, and I'm not and I'm not trying to say that that uh, you know we should have less regard for ministers just because they make mistakes just as we do. I just want ministers to be more transparent. You know, sure, um, to be more humble. with The fact that and, and 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 some will say this, but they really don't mean it. They'll be like, well, you know, I'm not perfect. But do you really mean that though? <laughs> like you want to you want to well, you want I, I require elaboration, as vision would say. You know exactly. Hey. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that last episode was fire.
0: Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty fun. I got a yes. lot. It was pretty fun.
2: But anyway, anyway but, back to what you.
0: And yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I was just like, you know, uh, most of the time I, and I'm not saying like, you know, we got to sit up here and talk about our sins all day or whatever. I mean, certain, I mean, some stuff should be talked about at church. And we talked about that a couple episodes back. But we got to, we got to have a, a humility about us to where we don't walk around like we're perfect, but we should at least walk around like yes. I'm not perfect. But I know a God who is, and because He's perfect, He helps me walk in a holy light and that's right. kind of the point, you know we we don't want to look around and be like man that minister is so perfect man like i never see them doing anything wrong and honestly that it's not a bad thing for people for people to say that about you i mean if, if you're if you're living in such a way that people honestly genuinely think that you can't do no wrong then that says a lot about who you are but i hope that's like actually who you are and not who you pretend to be you know in front of people, because yeah. you know, a lot of, and so many ministries have been taken down because um, uh, because of, of, of how you know ministers act in front of people, and then versus what they do when you know mm-hmm. the camera's on and the lights aren't on and everybody is is at home and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, with that, I, I guess we'll move on to the second question, Caleb. Unless you have anything else to to share.
2: Um, I mean, I was just, uh, you know, I totally agree. You guys had pretty much nailed it. Um, I just think just a simplistic way to define accountability when it comes to the church is just being coachable. Mm.
0: That's a big one.
2: doesn't matter who says it. If an elder comes up to you in your church, one of your, you know, one of the saints that have been there for years and they just come up and politely say, Hey pastor, or Hey youth pastor. Um, and they, you know, they politely, you know, rebuke you about something, and it's true. Then take it in stride and say, "I appreciate you bringing that to my attention." Sure. Thank you for. Thank you, thank you for 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 holding me accountable. Yeah. Because what yeah. I've seen is that preachers who get held accountable by the congregation get really defensive when the congregation does it. It's like this ideology that. The congregation can't do that. Mm-hmm. Only my pastor, only my bishop, only the district board can hold me accountable. Yeah, and that's where, and that's where you see a lot of these yeah. the, these pastors and preachers, like that have bad intentions. They just go buck wild because it's just like the only time they're ever held accountable is if the person on above them is like, "All right, hey, hey, hey." You, you might not want to might want to not want to do that. You might not want to say that. So I just think it's just being accountable mm-hmm. and, and just being being coachable, just being coachable by people. Yeah. Now I understand. I, I get it. There are people in your congregation that are just always complaining. They're always like they're, there's people. Your the con- they're just out. Yeah, they're always looking for something. They're out to get you. Like anytime your wife wears an outfit, they pick her apart. You wear an outfit, they pick you apart. Yep. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about the people who actually mean well. People who mean well, and if there wasn't anything wrong, then they wouldn't have said anything.
1: You know. Right. And now, let now let's 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 deal with this really quick. Really quick. I know we got we got we got more to to to, to touch, but let's talk to the minister who who says. Um, you know what? Like people, they they can't come to me, right? They, you know, I don't I don't trust them because you know, or you know, maybe they, they don't they don't know enough to to come to uh, to to me. You know what I mean? Because oh, yeah, yeah. I I hear from the Lord. Um, you know, I am the minister, right? Well, you know, there there are various things that can come up as a, as a point for you not to accept any form uh, uh, of accountability from anybody who's not over you because you don't respect the idea that these people could hear from God and have knowledge. Here's the thing. When Jesus uh, established the church, he he established it on a discipleship model, not a membership model. Mm -hmm. He established it on a discipleship model. And I want to say to that person, and you guys can chime in if you desire, uh, it, it, to the person who feels like the people can't come to me because they don't hear from God enough. They can't, you know, they don't have enough knowledge or understanding. If people don't have enough understanding to know when you're off, you're failing in ministry. Yeah. Yes, sir. Actually, very yes, yes. true. It is our assignment, according to the scripture, the fivefold ministry, Ephesians chapter 4, it says that the ministry was given to equip the saints for the work of ministry and for the perfection of the saints. Now, the more yep. perfected I am, the less I need you. And that, that should be goal, absolutely. the goal. Is not, the goal
0: is not to need ministry. The goal is for us all to be ministers. To
1: be ministers. So so if I am not I'm preaching myself out of a job, that's my that is my goal. That's the goal. So if, if I if, if you cannot recognize when I am out of line and when I am out of assignment, uh, when I am out of alignment, rather, uh, then I am failing. In ministry, because especially if you're in the pastorate, you should have taught the people enough about your position to where they can evaluate whether you're doing your job properly or not. Exactly. Yeah. I think yeah. one of the biggest issues we have in the church is the people don't know what the ministers are supposed to be doing, not according yeah. to Scripture. Yeah, yeah. We we have our traditions. We we have our our programs, we have our denominations, we have everything that we're accustomed to. But yeah. people don't really know, according to scripture, what is my bishop supposed to do? What is my pastor supposed to do? What is an apostle supposed to do? What What, what is a teacher supposed to do? What, what is an evangelist supposed to do? Because you're not an evangelist just because you go traveling around from church to church. But that's a whole nother conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> um you know and so I, I just think we we this is a part of our accountability to the people is we have got to begin to teach them how do you assess whether i'm doing well or not yeah 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 because you work for the people mm-hmm.
2: yep You're absolutely man of the people you know um the <laughs> that <laughs> man you you touched on something there justin Uh. There's a, the conspiracy theorists like to say that big pharma is a problem because, and the doctors are in on it because Mm. doctors heal the people, then the doctors have no job. And I liken that to pastors. The reason why you have so many pastors that get people to have such a codependency now mm-hmm. we're getting into psychological stuff now. They have such a codependency yes. on the pastor is because the pastor makes sure that they need
1: him. And think about this. I mean, I, honestly, like we have got to start talking about like, how do you how do we qualify whether people are growing spiritually or not? Mm, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I want I mean, you to think about
0: go ahead. how much how much, they, how much they read their Bible. For me, and that's, that, but that's, that's a thing though, is because a lot of people need ministers because they don't study the word for themselves. And that's where a lot of this misconception about, you know, Justin, I remember you said, you know, you, you, you said something uh, maybe about uh, uh like, like while you were preaching, you said something that you heard previously, maybe from another minister, you know, or, 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 or maybe you didn't normal, but you know, people do that. People do yeah. that all the time do is all the time. They half of the time don't even research what that person said. It just sounded good, and they were like, "Well, let me put it. Let me put it in my sermon." Yeah. And the people don't really know better because they didn't study. And, and and it's not all the people because I know I know very great people in church that they study their word Absolutely. and they can out preach every preacher that does preach in the church. But I'm just saying there is a lot of people that they just don't study their word and they they just need to have ministry there that's the only word that they get in their life in in a week's time frame you know Mm -hmm. so
2: they're 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 catholics in a sense pretty yes Yes.
1: or or jews or jews
2: like Uh, hey philip they're pentecostal catholics We're actually at
0: 41 minutes. So I know we got some hot topics. So we're gonna have to, Ooh, we're gonna, man, we gonna We got to get off
1: of this. Man, this has been good. But I just have to say this one thing. And we're going to that question. Sure. I, I want you to consider this. Because, you know, you just talked about the church is being shut down. And this last thing on accountability to people, what, what you're teaching. We've got to make sure that we're actually hearing from the Lord. And not on sermoncentral.com taking <laughs> sermons that have already been preached. We've already heard cancel the funeral, I decided to live. Too many of you have preached that. We, we've heard, yeah. you know, we've heard a lot of these same sermons. I want you that are watching, I, I want you to consider throughout this pandemic all of the extra time that your man of God has had, is he still preaching the same thing? And that that's it. I'm going to leave it right there. Yeah, we, We've
2: heard the impossible friendship between David and Doag too many times. <laughs> you know what i'm talking about <laughs> all right let's move on all
1: right all right
2: so oh, next man. question next question should we restructure how bible college is viewed
0: absolutely
2: go ahead absolutely. and go uh, that one that one that's your little soapbox there
0: <laughs> yeah oh so Many people uh, may know this, many people may not know this, but Caleb and I actually went to Bible college. Um, so it's really rough because, like, my opinion on Bible colleges isn't as high as others. I'll put it that way. <laughs> because it's because, like, so we went to Bible college way back when. We went to a Bible college called Atlanta Bible College. You probably never heard of it, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> like you've probably never heard of it. It's a small Bible college in the corner of uh between uh what Jonesboro and McDonough, Georgia. I don't, I don't even know, if they're still open. I don't know if the same professors are still there, but that's a Bible Ain't college. No that pedigree, people. yeah. The no pedigree, you know, it's 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 just a little small Bible college. And our our intention for going there was around the time that we were receiving the call to be ministers, and so and, and we were young. I think Hill, you were maybe 16, I was 15. Or maybe. We yeah. Were, yeah. Around that yeah, time. That, that age. And our our uh, our intentions of going to Bible college was just to expound our knowledge on the Bible and get different perspectives. And it actually was not an apostolic Bible college, which a lot yeah. of you apostolics may not agree with, because you all like, I want to go to apostolic Bible college. But it, the Bible college we went to was it wasn't actually tied to one denomination, but majority of the people there were Baptists it allowed us to be exposed to other denominations to see what they believe, why they believe it. And we also got into very, very educational debates with our professor because at the time, Calvinized knowledge of the Bible was actually a lot farther than we thought. Mm -hmm. Um, We went there to study more and to get more knowledge and everything. And then we realized halfway through the semester, like. It's not. It's not the fact that we know everything. Like that wasn't our attitude. But it's just like, wow, we actually know more than we thought that we knew. And we were, you know, because my thing is, I've never been good at debates. So the fact that I was debating with my professor on theological topics was was impressive to me because I'm not a good debater. So, yeah. um, anyways, uh, the point. Uh, Bible college, especially the apostolic Bible colleges, have been looked at as almost like a free ride to ministry, like a free ticket, like. It's it's like it's kind of like the Air Force Academy versus ROTC officers. You know, in, in the Air Force, you have the Air Force Academy, and then you have the uh, the ROTC way, where you can just get a bachelor's degree and become an officer. Well, the Air Force Academy, you start from day one, and for four years, you're in uh, a military academy environment just to get your bachelor's degree and become an officer. Well, the people that come out of the academy, they're all. I went to the yep. academy. Those I'm better second than you because I went to the academy.
2: Yeah. Yep. Those are the guys and, that get the uh fighter fighter pilot slots. So the regular yeah. ROTC guys, they get the cargo pilot, the cargo plane uh slots. The Air Force Academy guys, they get the fighter pilot slots because that's the most sought after positions.
0: They got their they got their pedigree and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I would liken that also to the outcome of students and graduates from Apostolic Bible Colleges. Is when they get out, they feel like they're better than anybody that didn't go. And They feel like they're more knowledgeable than somebody that didn't go to Bible College. And um, that's not the case. <laughs> exactly. But I, one thing that I want for people to do is not to view Bible College students as just these perfect little angels that are just... They, they went to a Bible college, so they know everything about the Bible. They're going to be this wonderful ministers. And I'm not—I don't want to speak against people that go to Bible college. Like, if God called you to go to Bible college to expound your knowledge of the Bible or get training in a specific ministry, please do it by all means. Um, <clears throat> but if God didn't call you to go to Bible college, don't go. Exactly, because a lot of people go just to go. They go—they go for a couple of reasons. They go because they just want a, a year-long youth camp. Environment, you know, surrounded by their friends. Some go just to go to college. Some go because they have nothing else to do, so they just go to Bible college. <clears throat> um, some go for the for the sake of just networking and and getting the pedigree of having a big name Bible college behind them, so that when they get out, they can say, "I, I went to this Bible college," and they can get opportunities. I guess that way. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and, and there's different and there's other different reasons. Some go just because their parents or grandparents or pastor just told them to. So. Everybody's intentions is different, um, but I wanted to kind of touch on stuff because these Bible college students—they're not always perfect little angels (laughs) that you that you know, you know. It'd be wild at that place. I have seen, and here's the point: like I have seen people that have went to Bible college for two years, three years, four years come out of Bible college and try to pursue ministry and everything. And here's another thing. A lot of the, a lot of the people that graduate from Bible college seem that they can come back to like their church or go to a church very easily and get put in a high position just because they went to Bible college. And I don't like that because that's not what qualifies you for ministry. What qualifies you is your anointing and God's favor and the people, but. Just because you went to Bible college, it's not, is not a free ticket to validate you into a ministry. But enough about that. Let me move on. Um, a lot of people, a lot of them, I, I've seen people that, that went to Bible college for years, got got a degree or something like that. And I've seen the way they minister versus somebody that didn't go to Bible college. And the one that didn't is 10 times more effective. Hmm. And I say that because I'm very close, um, and I'll actually give her a shout out, Jordan Kinga, she's like my little sister. And um, that girl is such, um, she's such a good a good young lady. She's, uh, I think she's 20, 19 or 20, maybe 21. Um, it, it's sad that she's like my little sister, I don't know her age, but she is. Um, she's, she's so devoted, not just, she's, she's devoted to serving people, not ministry positions, but she's devoted to serving people. And I love that about her and her intentions and her heart and everything. And, I ha- and she, at one point, wanted to go to Bible college. She wanted to go to CLC. And it's a great Bible college. I know people at CLC. I know some of the alumni there at, at CLC. Great Bible college and everything. But she wanted to go to Bible college because she thought it would be fun and everything. She went to their uh, experience weekend where people can come and like see the Bible college and get to kind of experience what Bible college life is about. And she really wanted to go. And then I asked her, why do you want to go? Because I I looked I looked at it and I I thought that if she went to Bible college it really wouldn't benefit her because I knew I knew her knowledge on the Bible was something that she I, I feel like something like she it's hard to believe that she didn't already go to Bible college and graduate because that that's how knowledgeable she is on the Bible and the history and the context of things and and and, and it's just great and she even talked to our pastor and he was like and he was the same thing he was like I don't think Bible college would really be beneficial to you would it be fun yeah but beneficial no um and that's and that's one of the things that another another thing that people got to look for when going to something like a bible college is and really doing anything in life is like is this really going to help me be effective like is this going to be beneficial or anything so that and that's why i say like i've seen people that come out of bible college and graduate and everything and i see how they minister And it's not, and it's not every Bible college student. I don't want to, I don't want to put that out there, but I have seen those people not be effective. And I've seen people that haven't went to Bible college be effective, but the Bible college students were always hyped up by everybody. They were always promoted. They were always talked about. They were always given opportunities versus the person that didn't was just simply doing their best to serve. And they were effective because that was their genuine passion and their pursuit, so that's the point that I'm trying to make is we should change how we view Bible call. It is not an instant validation for somebody to be in the pulpit or be on the stage or be in a position at your church. It should it should be something that, yes, you could look at and be like, oh, yeah, wow, that's good. that you went the Bible college. But really, are they effective? That's the point because really the point of Bible colleges for people to go there get knowledge get training get experience and then get out and then be effective but it's like the opposite happens when a lot of the Bible college students these days get out of college so in and saying that I'll, I'll go ahead and pass it to Justin so I can so I can stop talking um, but yeah um, that's that, that's what I think about the whole going forward with Bible colleges
1: all right so um, I'll try to be Rather succinct in my comments on this because I know we got to get get off pretty soon. But so first of all, you know, there's Bible College, there's seminary, um, and um, I'll say this: I think that there's two different schools on this, typically, um, or maybe two and a half. And this is what I mean by that: typically, your more conservative Christian churches tend to be more on the side of, you need to go to school. You need to have a college degree. You need to go to seminary. Um, We wanna know what your certifications are because we don't want just anyone preaching to us. We want to know that you qualify in some way to handle uh, the scriptures. So yes. we know that this is best. The best way for us to know this is you have paperwork. And, and that's the reason for it. it's a lot of, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you have typically it is your uh, enthusiast. It is your charismatics. That's what I was looking for. It's your charismatic Christians, your Pentecostal Christians that typically have the attitude of, oh, you don't need to go to cemetery. You know, they just end up in there, you know, Um uh, they just all, you know, they they tend to be very much so on the side of just Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, and nobody needs any knowledge because they're very emotive in their style. So because of that, you're going to have one style of preaching that leans a lot more often towards the um, uh, exegetical. And then the other side is going to le- lean more towards the esoteric or to the eisegetical because... One group is led primarily by how it feels, and the other is led by what it says. In between there, you have the charismatic who says, go to college, but go to this specific type of college so that you learn our specific form of doctrine. So... Mm -hmm we're not sending you to generic seminary we're not sending you just to learn bible history we're not sending you there just to learn church history uh we are sending you here so that you can learn our brand of church yeah now if i were to have an opinion i think that those are probably the most dangerous of all bible schools you should I, 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 that's my opinion i'm sorry i don't i don't think that that is healthy towards your doctrinal understanding. I don't think it is healthy for you to hear only one side of a doctrine and and allow that side to pervert what others believe through their particular lens. I think Mm -hmm. it's better for you to hear it all through a neutral lens if you're going to go. I don't think Bible college or seminary is necessary for everyone, but I do understand people who feel that it is necessary because I do think that Anyone who steps to ministry should be put through certain paces to make sure that they have ascertained certain understandings uh, about Mm -hmm. the scripture. Um, I know pastors who have not read the entire Bible, and that's a shame. Mm -hmm. That's a shame. You know, so different things like that. I think that there needs to be more paces. So I don't know that it necessarily needs to be seminary, but I do think that. There needs to be some sort of, hey, like, uh, you know, yeah, some type of due process, and then, uh, and I'll end on this. I don't want to, I don't, I, I could go all day, so I'm, I'm gonna try to be short on this because I was long on the last. Um, the other thing is, honestly, I've heard many preachers that have been to seminary and I've listened to them preach, and more often than not, they're preaching the same stuff that people who didn't go to seminary are preaching. So, I just want to know how did it help you to be better? And just because you went to seminary doesn't mean that you're going to be a good preacher, anyways. So, remember
0: that, remember that story I told y'all off camera where I, I saw uh, a Bible call student uh, that graduated and everything go to a church, and then when 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 they were, I think they they wanted uh, the youth pastor wanted them to teach the youth and everything, and they taught on the most basic of subjects.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> it was like I I, I expect better of you.
0: They bought no no new information, no like would think like Bible college would give them like in-depth, real like just get it down to like each grain type information. They didn't present none of that. It yeah. was just and I'm not I'm not gonna say the subject because if if the person's watching, I don't wanna act on <laughs> I, I love you and all, but that was not good. I'm sorry. <laughs> because I and here's the thing, and, and this is how I judge effectiveness is because I asked my youth, I'm like, Do you remember what this person taught about that one day? No. <laughs> of course not. No. And I'm but- like, <laughs> It's it's a little sad, but it it just goes to show like it doesn't just because you went go to Bible college does not mean like you're a okay and you can just go and do ministry and you're gonna be effective. No, you still no. kind of have to that experience and
1: everything. If so, if I'm gonna say anything, if I if there's anything that I think. Preachers need to study. And I said preachers, not just pastors, but anyone in ministry. Because here's what you have to understand about being in ministry is that there is an aspect to helping people aside from pulpit ministry that's expected of you. Yeah. Um, even in just your your everyday interactions, when people know that you are in ministry, um, certain things are going to be pulled on you, even though you might not necessarily be in a pastor. Um, And so this is what I want to say. You need to know people. You need to understand psychology. You need to understand psychiatry, uh, at least to a little bit. These are things that I've probably started to spend more time trying to ascertain because a lot of times we don't understand that sometimes ministering to people requires for you to understand them and not just be throwing out scriptures. So if yeah. you're going to go to, you know, seminary Bible college, you need to be spending time in understanding ministry, understanding people. How do I counsel this person, who this woman who, who her husband is beating her up? It's one thing to tell her God hates divorce and she can't divorce her husband, but that's not what she needs. What does she do so she doesn't get killed? What 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 do you do? When someone's spouse is cheating on them, how do you handle that? How is that hand, hand? You know, how 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 is that affecting their kids? What do you say to the parent whose child is strung out on drugs? I, I know you want to tell them to take a stand and they need to get that sin out of their house and kick those children out. I know you want to tell them that, and it's really easy to do that because all you're thinking about is what scripture do I quote for this situation? But ministry involves people, and and I I've seen many people. Pastors, you know, or or I won't say many, but I've seen pastors who may have a dogmatic approach until they get up on the situation and realize, man, this is a people thing. And so that would be my encouragement to us is honestly, sometimes and and I know this is going to sound sacrilegious, but sometimes we have to take our head out of the Bible and put it into a textbook so that we can better understand the people that we're trying to preach the Bible to. And I'll leave it at that
2: yeah very true very true um for me personally um like Philip said, me and Philip went to Bible college at a very early age, and it really opened our mind up um we did uh Old testament survey New Testament survey and um one other class, and those fir- that that those for Old Testament and New Testament survey was like mind open like it just opens your mind to yeah you know, the history of the Bible and stuff like that. And so I liked Bible college when I was a kid um, because it it definitely did further my understanding. Um, But how our generation and Gen Z looks at Bible college is it's not really, let me go further my understanding. It's let me go get this so I can promote myself. And that's the bad way to do it um and like philip was saying they they go and they get hyped up and then they come back and then (laughs) ain't nothing there for them and it's just like okay well i guess i have to now go get a job because i thought i was going to come to the church and get a high paying position just because i went to bible college and that's not how it works Mm -hmm. and then they find out that the 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 bachelor's that that the bachelor's degree that they had because I don't know if any of you know this but um i mean philip knows this Uh, most of the apostolic bible colleges are not accredited nope so when they decide to take their christian counseling degree that they got from i'm not going to call any names because that would be rude but from certain apostolic bible college when they take their christian counseling degree from them And they're like, well, I don't got a high position. I'm not a youth pastor, a paid youth pastor, or a paid music director. So I guess I have to go get a job. And the job's like, okay, you want to be a counselor. Where's your certificate? Where did you get your degree from? Oh, I went to insert name Bible college. That's an apostolic. And they're like, "Mm, this this is not accredited. And it's just like, sorry, but you're not qualified for the job. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> that, Man.
2: Little-
1: go to exactly. a real school doc
2: exactly. go to school
1: doctors- all these doctors all these doctors I'm sick of all you doctors, doctors. who don't have a real PhD you can't become exactly. a doctor in three years I'm leaving that alone never mind
2: yeah, 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 but the thing is, is 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 I've seen it, and I've seen it happen. And it's like they they, they go to Bible college and they they spend all this time and money, mm-hmm. and they think that this is going to really promote them and get them to the top. And really, you truly, doing? you threw money out the window for a degree right. that is worthless.
1: Imagine this imaginary situation, right? So you go get your incredible degree from. An unaccredited school, you get this amazing, um, you know, job at a church, right? You've got your counseling degree in Christian counseling, and you are a staff pastor, paid staff, and then, boom, global pandemic. We can't afford to have you on anymore, and you can't get a job anywhere else.
2: Mm-hmm. And you're not really a and counsel- you are not really a counselor according to the United States of America's board. So what do you
1: do? I mean, that's just a hypothetical situation that could more happen. Ha- more than likely has panned out. And
2: and the thing is 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 I am all for education. I'm going to school you're right on. now. I'm putting my package together to go to the military's uh, PA school to be a physician's assistant. I am all about education. But make sure that when you're getting your education, it is worth your time. Absolutely, because you yeah. can't because I have because I went on Reddit and I and I scroll these, you know, these ex-Pentecostal forums, you know, just to see, you know, what these, you know, people are ace, uh-huh. what they're where they're where their minds are at. And there's yeah. so many that are in those forums that were former Pentecostal ministers in training that went to Bible college for four years. And they say, Man, I wasted my time. They wasted their time. Yeah. They 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 the degree they got is its a paperweight. You just go shred it in the shredder, and it's of no significance. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. So people need to understand, especially in and I's arena, that Bible college is not the cure. If you don't know your Bible, when you come out of Bible college, you're still not going to know your Bible if you're not studying to show yourself approved. OK, it's, it's hey, not, that's, a, that's,
0: a, that's a point they don't want to hear, though. They, they don't want to hear.
2: It's not going to fix your biblical knowledge at all. No matter yeah, how many all. papers you like, you have to be not only be in tune with, with what you're reading, but you need to be in tune with God. And like or Philip brought
1: up. Good your
2: he, yeah, and what like Philip brought up what, when he was talking to journey Is it worth it for you? Right. She she already knew her word. She could but like the crazy, part
0: is, the crazy part is her priorities were different. Her priorities was literally just serving. That's her priorities. Exactly. And Bible college will not will not fix or promote your priorities. Exactly. It won't.
2: Because if you go with
0: the priority that you're you're just going to get on the platform and do your thing and outshine the rest of your peers, that's not... When you get out of Bible college, I've seen so many people get out of Bible college and backslide because their priorities
1: in Bible college were wrong. Here's the thing, and this goes for everyone, you've got to have something you want to do outside of the four walls of the church thank you exactly you need to be
2: bi-vocational period and people would say well well what if my church wants to pay me here's here's the thing and my mom tells me this all the time you will never get rich being a minister at a church
0: you shouldn't we and talked about this shouldn't.
2: before
0: <laughs> you shouldn't get you See, shouldn't like 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 some like of these other big preachers out there that sell books and stuff like that and sell music that's a different that's a different story a but different story. First, no you should you you should like, Mike,
2: music. like like Mike Todd for instance I'm sure that outside of him preaching and all that kind of stuff I'm pretty sure he's producing music cuz he's a music he producer yeah, yeah he's he a pretty dang good one at it yeah he he makes yeah. music he creates music he 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 also he made some music like a couple of months ago like he's a so businessman. Exactly. He's a businessman and he he's a music producer. So when he's not preaching, he doesn't have to rely on the salary from the church. He can simply go out and make money cuz like I said, he's really good at what he does. And the thing is is you need to Bible college and preaching and ministry should not be the only thing that you're going to do for the rest of your life.
1: No, you've got to have other goals because and oof, I know we got to get on for of this. But this is one of the reasons why we have so many people who are still um, active in ministry in areas where they should have moved on from or retired from. Because they, they can't do without the money.
2: You know, now people are going to pass it oh, they die. And there's no pension.
0: Say, oh, well, <laughs> well
2: uh, you know, that that's not true. They just do it because they love the people. Mm-mm. Let me tell you something this yeah, revolves was- around money. Everybody likes money. Or Everybody money needs
1: money. <laughs> yeah.
2: So let's let, let's stop the, the, the super spiritual fluff. Oh, they do it because they love the people and God. No. If Here's you're the that truth. old, if you're that old and you're still
1: evangelizing. Here's the truth. You- if you love the people that much, you'd stop. They're tired
0: of hearing you. Oh, or, or or at least just kind of retreat into a supporting role. You sure, know? and that's yeah, what and, I mean.
2: And help because, and help help the younger ones.
0: Yeah, you know, because them- a, lot of, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people don't want to give up their position because they, they enjoy either having the power, they enjoy the, the favor they get from the people and everything. And they don't and they don't want don't, and and here's a big thing. A lot of the older ministers don't trust these younger ministers. I was about to say that. Why is that? If you're the one that has been speaking into their life from
1: a young age, exactly. You Here's the problem: so many of them do not want, do not do the right amount of pouring. And there seems to be, man, we are, we are we are off. But yeah, there seems <laughs> to be this this <laughs> attitude between the men between generations, right? And one of the divides that we have is that our generation is presumed to be stubborn. Mm-hmm. Right. We are presumed to be people who don't want to listen, who don't want to be poured into, but I, who I don't, don't honor who, right, who don't honor. And, and and let's let's use that poor. Let's use that poor. Here's the thing, because this is how I am. And you guys tell me if you, if this makes sense and if you agree, I I want to be poured into, but I also have a strainer because I'm not, you're you're not going to pour just everything into me. Yeah. I want to know what is it that I am receiving. So I'm not just an open vessel for anything from everybody. No, I am not.
2: You know, Justin, now that you you put it like that, a strainer, that's literally how (laughs) I am. (laughs) Man. Like, it's just like when, when somebody's trying to pour into me, I'm like, all right, what you what you putting in there? Yes! And, and then if they're putting something wild in there, okay, that's getting strained out. Yes! And if, you strain, and if you strain that out, they're like, oh, you don't want apostolic authority in your life. You are not respectful. Bro, what you said was wrong and not biblical, so I'm not going to follow
1: it. Yes! At the end of the day, as much as I honor everyone and all of my Uh, elders, and everyone in ministry who's gone before me, I honor you, your years and time, your sacrifice, but the primary voice for my life is the Holy Ghost. And if I can't get peace in my spirit and in my time with God, if I can't get peace about what I'm hearing, then I have to leave that out. And, 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 And maybe, maybe I will give you this, maybe I have not matured to the point that I can handle that. That may be the case. Or in other cases, maybe you're just off. Because because time doesn't make you infallible. Nope.
2: You know, there's a I was I was writing a podcast outline the other day talking about does the millennial generation slash Gen Z have a respect problem? We'll talk more about that off camera. But um, but yeah, um, I, I personally think with, with the whole Bible college thing, um, it really needs to be weighed. Um, and I, I would, I would uh, I was gonna bring up Dr. Bernard. Uh, he's our uh general superintendent of the entire organization. He went to a school that was not apostolic. He he wrote his thesis. Well, he wrote his uh he, he did his doctorate. <laughs> his doctorate at a non apostolic college. I'm not sure where he went and got his bachelor's from or his master's from. But he did his, he had to do, he had to defend his one God theology at a school that did not support one God theology.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And he did it. He, I mean, I have his, I have his dissertation. I, I, you can, I can send it to you if you want to read it. But like, he did a really good job. And the thing is, is we are, we are sending our students, these apostolic kids to these echo chambers. And so whenever somebody present, when somebody challenges them in the slightest, they aren't ready. And they start, and they start parroting, they start parroting talking points from their leaders that they've heard over the years, instead of actually defending
1: their position of their own. It, there's no excuse for you to go to Bible college and come out weak in apologetics. Exactly. 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 And,
0: Especially and, and if you have classes called apologetics.
2: apologetics.
0: <laughs> you have you have, no 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 not, not only that, but you have you have classes named apologetics and hermeneutics, and somehow you still can't manage to squeeze an exegetical text and form it into a sermon and present it to the people.
1: Thank you. Yes. And and, and again, if we're we're going back to this charismatic movement, typically we are led more based off of how it feels and how it sounds than what it says. So we tend to be extremely, extremely eisegetical in our approach uh, and a lot of times understudied. That's why you preach so long, because you haven't studied. So you don't know how to get your thought out nicely and succinctly because you (laughs) understudy. But that's a whole other discussion. There are very few preachers, very few preachers who actually have two hours of sermon. Most of you that are out there preaching an hour and a half are preaching an hour and a half because you haven't studied your concept well enough to be able to deliver it in a way that people can understand it. There exactly. are very few when
2: that actually have two hours worth of service,
0: and and for, that's when and you start for, getting and, into story, man, where and, people and, just and, start saying stuff that's not in the Bible, yeah.
2: and and, and you it, you just start it, talking it, just to be talking.
0: And then, then you you're in the flesh.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. My thing is to young preachers and young ministers that are that are you know public speaking and all. When you have a sermon concept that you you get from God or you know God dropped in your spirit, that's cool. That's great. That's great. That's great. But make sure that you flesh it out on paper. You type it out. You're like, well, that's typing a sermon. Just type it out. Flesh it out. And At then lose
1: talking points.
2: Yeah. And then and then and then like talk it out loud. Like speak out loud to see if it makes sense. Right. So you're not up there. So you're not up there like a babbling baboon.
0: So not, not only that. I feel, and this is another thing, and this kind of alludes back to, and we're probably gonna do a part three about this, but um, uh, because yeah, we're already sitting at what an hour and fifteen, so yeah, we're probably gonna have to do a part three. But it kind of alludes back to uh, my point where ministers have to try their best when Mm -hmm. it comes when it comes to preaching, because we just think preaching is just like, oh, grab the mic and let the anointing take over. But you haven't done no preparation. You don't you don't even know how you're gonna speak to the people, like how you, you're you're gonna talk, how you're gonna formulate your your talking points. You haven't taken any public speaking classes, which um is not a bad thing to do, to take yeah. a public speaking class to get yeah. training on speaking in crowds. That's not a bad thing to do because that is, and that attributes to do you doing your due diligence and doing your best to make yep. sure that you are somebody that is worthy of even being in front of people. Because, and, and and it's not, it's not just about like yes, like I said, we need the anointing, we need the spirit, but those two things are not cop outs for you not doing your due diligence into right. be the best minister that you can possibly yeah. be if you are being a preacher. Now, same thing with musicians. If you haven't put in the hours and you can you have to transpose every single key you play in, you can't just sit down on a piano and play the piano, you need to go back and practice some more. Don't just mm-hmm. say we're gonna, we're gonna sit here and we're gonna allow the anointing to take over. And then whenever mm-hmm. you know, and, and whenever and whenever the pastor gets up there and starts singing and he wants to raise it up a key, you gotta stop and transpose and then you know <laughs> and mm-hmm. okay. I don't have any I don't really have that much against transpose. It's just a, it's just you know, I'm a piano player, so I like to tease piano players about that. Um, If you
2: you have to transpose, download the Scale Junkie app, you'll thank me later. Yeah, yeah.
0: But but like you haven't like, you know, it's like you haven't done your due diligence. You have to put in that time. You just got to you got to do your thing. okay? and you got to do your best.
1: Yes. Let's let me let me just throw two things in here. The first is scripture. The Bible talks about Paul. Can you imagine? I believe Paul was a very boring preacher. That's what I think. Paul. I think Paul, Paul was very anointed, but Paul was very boring and long-winded. Why do I think so? Because the Bible talks about somebody called Eutychus, and Eutychus was sitting up there on the third story, right? And, and when I say boring, I mean non-dynamic. I think he was, he was good enough that people would come to a three-story building and listen to him, but he also was... Uh, he was a teacher. He was someone who spent time. He was a a brainiac. He was someone who would spend time breaking things down. And he preached so long, the scripture says, until Eutychus fell down out of the third story and died. Can you imagine how long a sermon is for somebody to fall asleep on your sermon? You literally preached him to death. Like you, You have got to be a boring preacher. But here's the thing he was so anointed that the scripture says he could walk out there and raise him up and go back to preaching so that mm-hmm. that it just goes to show you a lot of your guys idea of anointing is just dynamics it, mm-hmm. it it is things that excite people it is about you don't you know the anointing does not necessarily mean that people are screaming and hollering and shouting all over the church yeah, you know, because um, if that's we the case to. with all of our churches that are shut down, and we're doing these live videos, and we're having church on Zoom, and we're having YouTube, there's nobody yeah. to run around. So, are you? Uh, is there no longer an anointing for you to preach? Because if, if that's the case, then your anointing is the emotions of the crowd. Exactly. And my second and thing that I want to go ahead. Rede- I think we need to redefine what an what the anointing yes, is.
0: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And then my second tip, and this might be a little shady, but I'm going to say it. Come here. Come on. Right, right, right up. Right up close. Right you yeah, right here. Right here, right here. here. Listen to listen. me. <laughs> you wouldn't have to beg for a man's ass much if you made more sense.
0: Oh, the church quiet now. Yes, <laughs> sir. <laughs> <there>, you
1: wouldn't <laughs> have to beg for amen. so many but, but, but the of thing us, is this- Go
2: ahead. You, like you spoke about emotionalism, and it's so true because, uh, you know, you people think the anointing is, you know, he's up there, you know, screaming and and jumping and then speaking in fake tongues every two seconds, and I'm like, that why? Why? Just
0: talk. Oh my goodness, you just make
2: sense.
0: You just opened up another can. Because me and my <laughs> wife are actually talking about this right before I left. We we're <laughs> talking about
2: this. Philip, Philip, you know this. Why is every time a preacher is preaching, why, oh man, I got 4 minutes. Why is every time a preacher is preaching and the crowd is up there, you know, jumping and clapping and he says, "Shata." Stop. That's not tongues. <laughs>
0: But, I mean, but, but, but 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 real quick though my wife and i were talking about that same thing and we were talking about you know how everybody's talking about acts 238 and yes you gotta you know we, we do this and you know the evidence of having the holy ghost is speaking in tongues and i was like stop real quick stop. Okay. stop the evidence of the holy ghost is speaking in tongues which means because even apostolics refer to tongues as a heavenly language which means that tongues is a product of the Holy Spirit, Come on, not, not your flesh. So that's why I hate sometimes whenever I see people work in the altar and they're literally speaking in tongues to somebody, trying to get them to imitate what they're doing, just mm-hmm. to say, oh, hey, this person at the Holy Ghost. Hey, I prayed this person through the Holy Ghost.
2: Oh, l- let's pause right there. Let's pause right there. I really hate the moniker of I prayed somebody through. Just, it makes me cringe somewhere we're off. It makes me cringe so much. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so so much. I hate it whenever I hear, oh, I prayed them through the Holy. you can't do nothing. You should just say that person received the Holy Ghost and walk away. Not, now, no, I I don't,
0: I don't, I don't, I, no, I don't want to take away from the fact that there's people that they that they that they genuinely try and they try to guide people in the right direction. But like I said, when when it becomes a fleshly thing where you're speaking in tongues because you're just making your mouth do that instead of it being a product of the spirit coming on you, speaking through you, that's a different story. I'm going to
1: throw a little ranch in there. You say what? I said, I'm going to throw a little ranch in there. Um, Uh Uh-oh. And and I I know some of you guys are going to get mad at me, but I want you to understand, I, I believe that tongues is a fruit or not a fruit, rather, but is is an evidence of the Holy Ghost, right? But I need you Ooh. to understand that also Satan can imitate. Thank you. I you Thank you. I need you to understand yeah, that witches speak. That, in tongues.
0: That's exactly why I was going to talk about this in another episode because yeah. I said that was my wife too. I was like, why? Why do you think that people can sit in churches and cast hexes and stuff? on the po- on the pastor and the person preaching and they can speak in tongues, and they can run around the church and nobody has the discernment to know that it's a wish in the church.
2: Hey, hey Philip, here's the reason why they don't have the discernment to know. Here's the reason why they don't have to d- the discernment to know if somebody's speaking in demonic tongues and if they don't have the discernment to know if somebody's speaking in fake tongues. Because when you don't emphasize the, the, the process of tongues and interpretation, that's what you need. Mm-hmm.
1: That's another not, thing. Not only that, but we are supposed mm-hmm. to emphasize fruit over gifts. I know y'all don't like to hear that, but that's why by- okay. fruit is always more, and you will not know them by their gifts. The Bible As says, fruits, if You shall know them. And You're we saying. keep taking people by their gift and not examining the fruit of the person and seeing yep. what is being produced in their life. And so that's yep. why people can operate in witchcraft. In fact, a lot of, I ain't gonna touch it's a whole lot of witchcraft that goes on in, in a lot of our settings because we're Absolutely. not checking fruit. Exactly. Between,
0: we gotta tackle that topic one day. Yeah, we, gotta, that's yeah, we, we, we do. But the point, So we're, we're going to go ahead and wind down because, I mean, this has been an hour, what, an hour and 20 minutes. So we're going to go ahead and wind down. But um, thank you, everybody, for joining. Uh, we we may do a part three. We're going to deliberate about this after we get off camera. But um, the point that we wanted to make is that we want there to be a shift in the perception and of, of ministry, especially when it comes to millennials. And that's why we, that's why we titled this The Millennial's Approach to Ministry, because going forward, I would like our peers and the people that we grew up with and the people that are, are are trying to strive as well to have a different mindset than maybe the generation before. Not saying that the previous generation was a bad generation of ministry. No, I honor our previous generation. And I thank all of our previous generations for building the foundations. Uh, and, you know, we stand on the shoulders of spiritual giants. You know, I, I thoroughly believe that. But there are reasons why a lot of our peers are leaving church. Um, and leaving faith altogether, and it's because sometimes of the misrepresentation of ministry, misrepresentation of of God, the church, the Bible, and, and, and there's a plethora of issues, but one common issue is the ministry, and we just want there to be a shift and going forward in how ministry does things. So, And that's the reason why we're having this conversation, which can obviously branch out to so many different things, as you've seen with this episode. Um, It could branch out to so many different things, but uh, that's all we're looking for is we're just looking for a shift and we're looking for things to just get better because we can constantly improve as people. And we can constantly improve the way that we witness and the way that we uh, affect people by being the church and being ministers. So um, Caleb, do you have any closing comments?
2: Um, I'd just say um, stay tuned, like and share, um, get the word out. Um, but we, please, please, please understand we are not whining and complaining and bashing the church. Um, we are just simply pointing out inconsistencies that people that are not Christian or people who have left church point out. And the thing is, you know, we people, Christians love to hate on atheists and hate on agnostics whenever they question Christianity. But the thing is, a lot of their questions are fair. Fair questions. So we are here to simply, as apostolics, as Christians, as as believers in God, we are here to hold the church accountable and point out inconsistencies and provide solutions, or at least brainstorm solutions. But other Mm -hmm. than that, please Mm -hmm. like and share, um. Stay tuned for next week, and uh, we we love you guys. And Justin, I'll pass it to you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I go with the guy that we are. We are not just complaining about the church. We are trying to offer solutions, or at least ideas. We want to get conversations going, um, and, and we want the regular people to know it's okay for you to have these conversations and talk about it. It's Absolutely. not above your pay grade. The, the, these are these are things that all of us. Uh, should give thought to and consider. Uh, and again, like and share. We are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. And uh, man, last last week, I think it was over a thousand people that uh, saw our, 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 podcast last week. Yeah. Uh, man. y'all keep pumping out, keep liking, keep sharing. We're going to keep coming with the dope content. As we said, we're, we're trying to get better and better at this. Like we said, we want you guys to like and share it. Also send us questions or send us topics. Send us things that you guys want us to talk about. Uh, and post it on the wall or something. Let it, let us know. And, um, we'll, we'll be back here, man. We've got so much more to talk about. Um, and man, this has just been this has been a great
0: episode. We love you guys.
2: Absolutely. All right, guys, Thanks. we'll we'll see y'all next week, and next um, week. we'll we'll be talking God to you.
0: God bless. More grace. More grace. More grace. <laughs> More grace.
2: <laughs> All right.